Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Marianne and Wanda. I'm Andy. And I'm Allie. And did you know this is our 50th episode? Wow. I know um, that we've almost hit a year because our first episode last year was on July 1st. Oh, I didn't remember that, but... I looked yeah. it up today. Oh. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to think of something fun to do for the one year anniversary episode. Yeah, this yeah. We have to there's gotta be some something out there. Yeah. We're gonna have to like remember all the books that we did over the last year and pick our favorite one from the whole year. Oh, we could do that. Yeah, just like a retrospective over the last yeah, year like your, that we've pick done. Your favorite one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, something to think about. But yeah, this is our fiftieth episode. Wow. Crazy. Incredible. So this, well, I guess, do you have any real updates from, I know we just recorded another episode yesterday and we're sandbagging these before we go on vacation, but any new, any new news? (laughs) Well, I was just going to share some other fun things. (laughs) I didn't know that we were, uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, uh, we had a good morning today. Molly and Mark and I went out kayaking and we saw all the birds that are in the marsh restoration project that's behind my friend Will's house. Hmm. And they just like dredged up a whole bunch of sand from in the bay and just dumped it all in a pile and then planted a whole bunch of plants and put out some like bird nest things um, that kind of look like uh, tents. And all these birds came. There's, there's like, literally hundreds of birds. It's insane. Hmm. Like, still migrating? Or why are they there? No, they're seabirds. So there's skimmers, white, or, yeah, two different types of skimmers and uh, a, some other kind. Um, okay. There's, like, at least three to four different kinds of birds that are just out there nesting. Yeah. Because they okay. just live here. <laughs> we also have birds here. It's not just migratory birds. <laughs> This is what I think of since it has the sanctuary. Yeah, true. Anyway, well, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Kayaking out in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, technically the bay, but yeah. Okay, yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I don't really have any updates from the last time we recorded other than we're going on vacay tomorrow. <laughs> it's exciting. Oh. All the way down to Florida. Yeah. PCB. Mm. <laughs> It's funny, though, that, like, I've never been to the city before, but I know that that's, like, known to be a hot spot, especially for spring breakers. Mm-hmm. But I'm so glad we're not going then. I don't know if it'll be much different or if it'll be, like, really crowded still because it is summer. But, yeah, I don't know what to expect. It is summer, so I imagine it's going to be pretty crowded. But probably f- the proportion of college students, there's going to be, like, fewer of them Relative to yeah. everybody else now, I would imagine. I would think. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what we've got going on. That's exciting stuff. Yeah. So this episode is our monthly book episode, and you chose mm-hmm. the book. I did. And I chose one that we have both read before, but you didn't really remember. Um, and I read it quite often. Uh, and it's The Truth About Forever by Sarah Dessen. Mm-hmm. I think I didn't remember this one very much because I've read a lot of her books and they all kind of run together because they're a very similar style mm-hmm. that like I can't I remembered that this one had to do with catering mm-hmm. and that was about <laughs> all that I remembered like I didn't remember the main character's name once I heard the the male protagonist's name I recognized that but mm-hmm. other than that like all I could remember was catering <laughs> that's funny 
Yeah, well, um, I don't know. I'm excited to hear your thoughts now that you're reading it again some, gosh, yeah. what, like 12 years later now? Yeah. No, more than that, like 15. That. Yeah, probably 15. <laughs> yeah, 15 plus. We're not that old, I promise. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I uh, listened to Sarah Dessen talk at um, the Library of Congress uh, in a YouTube video today um, about like, it was like 13 years ago or something. Um, so that's where I got a lot of my stuff and the Wikipedia for mine. But she was born in Evanston, Illinois. And then I knew that she had lived in Chapel Hill, but I didn't realize that she mostly grew up in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Hmm. Uh, and both of her parents were academics at UNC. Her mom was a classicist and her dad was uh, a Shakespeare scholar. So she was, um, I guess they wouldn't have frowned so much upon her for becoming a writer than like, say, somebody else's parents. Yeah, they had a pretty big influence, I'm assuming. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. That's um, funny that she grew up in mostly in Chapel Hill because I don't know that it ever mentions it, but I feel like at least the majority of her books that I've read just kind of feel like they're set in North Carolina. But I don't know that it ever says that specifically, but that's exactly what I thought for this book. It kind of does. It more or less does. They're all fictional towns, but yeah. uh, I think in a couple of them, or one of them, it does mention actually North Carolina. Hmm. I think maybe one of the beach ones. And then because everything else is within the same like three hours of each other, uh, mm-hmm. if not the same town. Yeah. it's yeah. So you're know. not wrong to think that. That's yeah. good. I didn't know that she grew up in that area, but yeah, just for whatever reason, the way that like it would give little clues about, um, you know, locations. I was like, this feels like it's in North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I mean, yeah, she lives there. That's like, uh, doesn't Stephen King also write a bunch of novels in like Massachusetts or Maine because that's where he lives? Um, Well, I don't read anything scary. So why am I asking you? (laughs) I would keep asking you these things. (laughs) (laughs) no anyway so she went to i think it was like greenboro state college for a semester but then dropped out and went back to unc chapel hill and studied creative writing and ended up graduating with the highest honors that they had Hmm. and she decided from that point on she was just like okay i've got this degree i'm just gonna go work as a waitress and try to write my first novel Mm -hmm. which she did so yeah 1996 was when she first published her book it was three years after she graduated from undergrad Mm -hmm. and it was that summer oh okay and then she followed up with dreamland and just listen and so on and so forth so this was by this time like her fifth or sixth book Mm -hmm. um, you know like into the groove yeah i've definitely read those first three that you mentioned yeah yeah because yeah all ones that I own, except I think mm-hmm. that summer, and I remember giving them all to you at one point in time. Yeah. <laughs> I think, if I'm remembering correctly, you took a little bit longer to read them than I wanted you to. I was oh, a little upset sure. about it. For sure. I was definitely a slow reader. Yeah. I, I think, still am. <laughs> yeah. This book specifically, you kept on to so long that I actually borrowed our friend Anna Lee's copy of it. Because I really wanted to read it. You just told me to give it back. <laughs> no, I wanted you to read the book. I was sharing the book with you. If I took it back, you'd never read it. Probably true. I feel like there was a few copies of Sarah Dustin books also in the Sumner Academy Library. Probably. Maybe also the JPT Library, who's to say? Yeah, I don't know. 
she said in her little speech, somebody asked her if she like wrote herself into any of these characters. And she kept said a couple different times, like Remy from this lullaby, who's the main character um, is who she wishes she was. But Haley from um, someone like you is who she actually was like. Hmm. I remember both of those character names, but I don't really remember their individual stories. Yeah. Remy, you know, dated Dexter, who was in the band, and she was getting ready to go off to Stanford and had her life together. And it was their whole tumultuous relationship. Yeah. And then, hey, one better. Yeah. Haley was the character who was kind of just like a moody teenager um, and had like a close relationship with her mom and then was drifting apart uh, because she had her um, bubbly friend Scarlett who got pregnant. Yeah. Hey, I remember that one better. Yeah. Uh, she liked to say what she she kept calling her friend, not charismatic, but it was something like that, that it was like, yeah, like she just she was very like people were drawn to her, essentially. Yeah. And she also kept talking about how hard it is for her to write, but she finds it to be pretty rewarding. But at the same time, she has something like 13 plus novels that she has written, but will not show to anyone or try to publish. Hmm. Which is wild to me. Yeah. And when she was younger, uh, when she was trying to sell her first book, she would mail it out to publishers and agents and whatnot, as I assume is the general process. And every time she got a rejection letter back, she would take the walk back up her drive to just decompress and then go back home and just sit down and write. And she said it was a way for her to separate what she was doing from the act of selling the book because she's really connected to her writing, but not tried not to get too caught up into the weeds of like trying to market it to everybody. Right. Yeah. I, I watched a, an interview with her earlier too. I can't remember which, where it was from, but she said something like as soon as she would finish a book, she would always feel like, okay, I'm never going to write another book again. That was, you know, really tough. And then she would write another one. <laughs> yeah. Then she'd get an idea. Yeah. It happens. Uh, the Truth About Forever was originally called The Forever. Did mm-hmm. you know that? That's what I learned today. No, but I like The Truth About Forever better. Yeah, it's much better. She said she takes a lot of her novel names to her publisher the first time around. And then they're like, ah, what else you got? Yeah. <laughs> uh, which feels right because it's hard. I feel like it's got to be hard to nail a good title sometimes. Yeah. And I don't know that like if I had just read the book and didn't know what the title was, I don't think that I would have called it the truth about forever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I probably would have called it like wish or something. I don't know. Something else. Yeah. Something along those lines, but that would, yeah. I feel like that would probably draw too much away from the main character, but you're right. I think, yeah, something else along those lines would be a lot better. I not would be my first thought. Yeah. Um, And she said, it's like the hardest book that she's had to write. Um, And she really likes it when people come up to her and tell her that they loved it. So I did try to reach out to her on Instagram. So maybe she'll write back to us. We'll see. Yeah, I wonder why that she thought this one was the hardest one. I don't know. Because I wonder if she felt most connected to it or if it was just like the hardest to to write for some other reason. Yeah, I feel like maybe it was a hard time in her life or she just struggled with the story. I don't know. Yeah, I did say that this one was published in hardback copy in May of 2004, but the paperback didn't come out until April of 2006. Do mm-hmm. you know 
why there would have been a delay in printing it in paperback like that for two years. Yeah, didn't they just used to print books first in hardback and see how well they sold and then print it in paperback? I don't know. I guess I've never really thought about it, but I just saw that there was a two-year gap between printing it in hardback and paperback, and I didn't know if that was common. Yeah, I think that they that just used to happen with books. Mm-hmm. We used to beg my mom for, it was, I think, the Magic Treehouse books that we used to love to read so much. Oh, yeah. And they would come out first in hardback, or they used to. They would come out first in hardback, and we would beg her to buy the hardback, and she said, no, we'll just wait until it comes out a little bit cheaper in paperback. <laughs> buy the box set in paperback. <laughs> yeah, and I, we were always a little upset about it, but we got over it. Yeah, I don't know. That caught my attention. I didn't know if there was mm-hmm. a reason why, but it that does sound familiar about, like, early 2000s yeah. coming I, out in hardback. Yeah, definitely not true anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most of the time now, they probably come out on, like, Kindle first. (laughs) Um, But I also researched a little bit and found out, I didn't find a whole lot about the truth about Forever specifically. Like, I actually couldn't find any interviews about this book in particular. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why that is. Like, I, this is probably one of my more liked books of hers. Not that any of them are bad, but, like, I like this one probably the best. Mm -hmm. it's just, I don't know, I thought it was strange that there wasn't very much coverage on this one. But I did find that it has been brought to the table at Netflix as a possibility to turn into a movie since Along for the Ride, which was one of her other books, was turned into a Netflix movie. And supposedly Netflix was going to see how Along for the Ride did, I guess, popularity-wise. And then mm-hmm. if it did well, they were going to consider The Truth About Forever as like the next movie in that little series i don't know if it would be connected to along for the ride or if it would just be another one by her but yeah i don't know that's from decider.com so who's to say i i hope it's uh not like a sequel or they try to tie it too much to the other one but yeah i don't know okay so i also was finding on youtube like i just typed in the truth about forever and apparently a lot of English classes must make kids do like a movie trailer or something for a book that they liked. And so I found several fake movie trailers that kids made about the <laughs> book. And they, you know, it's just like supposed to be, you know, if it was turned into a movie, who would you see as the main or like uh, which actors would you see as the main characters? And like, how would you portray it in like a two to three minute trailer? Mm-hmm. Uh, I like it's definitely like an assignment that somebody assigned. But. <laughs> So the one that I found first that was making me die laughing is <laughs> uh, Wes was portrayed by Joe Jonas. Oh. Bert, <laughs> Bert was portrayed by Nick Jonas. Oh, no. <laughs> and Macy was portrayed by Demi Lovato. And it was oh. just scenes of the Disney movie Camp Rock throughout the whole trailer. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know if you've seen that. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but it's very cringy. And yeah, I just thought it was funny that this person made their fake movie trailer basically just scenes from another movie and like put a, not a voiceover, but like a text over the top of the the clip that was like, Bert, Nick Jonas. That's incredible. (laughs) I cannot stress this enough, Netflix, if you're listening, please do not cast them. (laughs) Could you imagine? (laughs) Yeah, no, I cannot imagine. (laughs) Good thing they're too old at this point. Yeah. So you mentioned that uh, Netflix was 
like we we've talked about like Netflix trying to connect the two and something that I think we both like about her books is that there are like crossovers teeny tiny details between her books that are like mentioned and sprinkled as easter eggs yeah I I like that too because it makes me wonder like how many times the characters in each of these books would have crossed paths like Mm -hmm. maybe it like um, the one along for the ride is set in the town of Colby and the main character, Auden, I think she and um, the guy she's interested in, I can't remember his name. They go to this like hole in the wall diner. And... Yeah, Last Chance. Is that what it's called? I couldn't remember. Yeah. We watched that movie for this podcast, right? Maybe we <laughs> I think we I think we watched it for the podcast. Okay, we probably did. I don't know. I can't remember. That's been anyway. Yes, please continue. So last <laughs> so, chance. So yeah, she she goes to this diner with the main character boy. Anyway, and so and then in this book, Macy is probably telling Wes. I can't remember who exactly that she and her dad used to go to Colby to their little beach house, and they would go to this hole in the wall diner. I'm assuming is the same one. I can't remember yeah. what they called it, but like how many times would it happen to be that like Macy and her dad were there eating a meal at the same time that Auden and her male main character were also sitting there eating a meal together. Like the potential crossovers I think are cool. Yeah. the And she has another book. Um, I feel like in both of those books, they mentioned the waitresses, the two waitresses and they're in another book of hers. So it's, oh. it's all very yeah connected. Yeah, I guess I haven't read many of the other ones in a while to remember the, yeah. the ends, but yeah, I do remember that that crossover in some of them. Yeah, I think that's cool. It's nice that they're not like, you know, directly connected. Like the like Macy is not like the cousin of Auden or you know whatever. Like they're not directly connected. Yeah. But I also was reading a forum that was like people asking questions about the book, and supposedly Brian is also crossed over in another one of the uh, books. Yeah. And by the way, I love that you came out of this book and thought his name was Brian. It's Jason. It's Jason. <laughs> I saw that in this. I saw your note that mentioned Brian and I was like, oh, she's like, I don't know what she's doing, but I can't because correct her. To, because he goes to brain camp. I was thinking Brian. Yeah. Uh, it's Jason. I don't know why I said Brian. <laughs> yes. Well, I happen to have an answer to this one too. I know it sounds like I read these books all the time, but I've only read this one like twice. But there's another book where a girl and her dad take over a restaurant because they flip them to take bad ones into successful restaurants. Hmm. And Jason ends up being a cook in that particular restaurant. And so he had gone to Harvard and ended up dropping out after a couple of years and then went back and works in a restaurant. Oh, interesting. And yeah. you know, Jason, not Brian. <laughs> yeah. You say that you like that, like it's just tiny details. And part of the reason why it's that is because Dessen did it first for herself. And she, when she mentions it in this interview, she says that uh, she, every time that she puts it, like puts like just one little detail in her book, she always thinks that it's only going to be for her. And then the next day she'll read an article or a blog post online and it's got every single detail um, of every single crossover detail between them. Wow. 
Yeah. And, you know, people kept saying that they wanted sequels, but I'm on your side that, like, we, I like them as they are. Yeah, glad they're individual stories, but I'm mm. also kind of glad that they have something in common, even if it's just, like, a town or whatever. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I can't believe I called him Brian. <laughs> I love it. It was so funny when I read that. <laughs> that you knew who I was talking about, though. Yeah. <laughs> Well, for a second, I was like, did I forget a whole character? And then I was like, no, 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 no. No, it's me. I, it's because they kept saying brain camp, and I don't know. I guess in my head, brain and Brian look similar. Yeah, yeah well, it's just, <laughs> yeah, switch. It makes sense. Yeah. So one of the main themes in the book is grief, because Macy and her mom and her sister have recently lost their father figure, mm-hmm. uh, I guess. Deborah's husband anyway and so they're all dealing with grief differently and it's funny that we were actually talking about that in um the last short story episode that was about grief as well Mm -hmm. anyway so Macy is starting to accept that her father's gone and she does that by relating to Wes and Bert because they have also lost a parent so I guess she feels like she can open up to somebody who also kind of understands what she's going through Mm -hmm. and yeah her mom deborah queen is obviously not grieving properly and caroline uh the sister mentions that she's only focusing on work and new construction because there's no memory of the father in that and i thought that was a bold statement but also very true did she say that or did she just say that like they would update it and they could still see the touches of their father but bring it back into like a livable space for everybody? Oh no, no, I'm not talking about the beach house. I'm talking oh. about like the new apartments and stuff that um that Oh, the- I see what you're saying that Deborah's building, yeah. No, that definitely yeah. Throwing herself into work because all of that is new and none of it would remind her of the father because there's nothing there that Yeah, I reminds her. Yeah. Yeah, she does call her out on that at the end. Because then she's also like, don't you see that you're hurting Macy by telling her she can't, like, be with her new friends that are helping her move on yeah. and whatever. Well, yeah, Deborah is clearly grieving and responding to this loss by just trying to get everything else in her life, like, in control and in order. Because her husband died, like, very unexpectedly from a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And, like, he was a runner. It was very, very unexpected. And so, like, she, I think that her reaction to that is just, yeah, trying to get everything in order and under her control and everything to be perfect so that it just never happens again. Mm-hmm. And she's definitely just overcorrecting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I could definitely feel that Macy was feeling smothered by her mom after a while. Like, okay, you need to let me move on. Let me, you know, start a new chapter of my life. And her mom mm-hmm. is just like, holding the leash way too tight (laughs) yeah yeah i felt bad for macy in that aspect Mm -hmm. but i also felt bad for wes because his grief process mentioned that he was upset that he was in reform school when his mom first got her diagnosis she had cancer right yeah a very (laughs) aggressive like caught pretty late cancer but that he was also grateful that he was able to be there when she started rapidly declining, like he got out of the reform school in time, Mm -hmm. but still I can't imagine like having a, a loved one, whether it be a parent or a spouse or whoever 
have this diagnosis and you're just not physically able to be there with at the time yeah. that like would be really hard yeah i yeah i can't imagine and it's yeah. compounded by the fact that um, his father just very absent the whole time and yeah clearly not yeah not interested in helping bert or wes really either of his sons mm-hmm. and so like bert had not that he didn't have anyone because you know like their aunt lives right next door but mm-hmm. like was going through all of this and trying to cope with someone with cancer in his house like i don't yeah i don't think you've never really have you had anyone in your family die from cancer i don't think so or it, go through it not not that i would have been very close to okay i remember when my grandpa had cancer and it's I guess this is also applicable to just sort of like any degenerative disease or um, mm-hmm. anything where you have to be a main caretaker for someone who um, used to be able to take care of themselves. But mm-hmm. like he was, it was so hard even to just see him just live his life uh, with like having to, um, because he had throat cancer, you know, he couldn't like talk all that well and we had to feed him with a feeding tube. Mm-hmm. And I used to help him with that. And um, it was, you know, it was a lot to see. And I can't imagine that Bert as a teen or like 14 year old at the time, mm-hmm. um, just trying to handle this alone with a limited support network because Jilly is next door, but she also like has a daughter and a business. So, yeah. Yeah. It felt like it was nice that they had somebody close by, like they had family right next door, but Bert and Wes were pretty much taking care of themselves on their own in this house that I'm I'm sure every turn reminded them of their mom. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, that I could see that being really hard too. Yeah. And we see a bunch of different examples of parent child relationships and just like family dynamics in this story. Mm Because you're right. There's like Wes and Bert who are just taking care of themselves, you know, showing love and support. And then you've got Delia and Lucy and Pete who are expanding their family and, you know, have active young ones, which is a whole different generation. And Deborah and Macy, who are just, like, trying to be perfect together. There's, like, a lot of fractured and stitched together families. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, definitely feels like part of the message here is just, like, family is what you make it. And, you know, it's dynamic and it changes all the time. But yeah. there's always going to be, yeah, a new chapter, someone new, someone new to love. Like, the birth of Avery or whatever the daughter's name was. I think it was mm-hmm. Avery. Yeah. I think it's funny yeah. that you noted in here Stella and Christy and Monica as like a classic teenage grandma relationship because yeah. they had to wait until Stella fell asleep in her armchair before they could sneak out. And that's it, that part made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, I loved that. <laughs> and yeah, Chris, yeah, both of them going to live with I'm I guess I was assuming it's their grandma, but yeah, I, got... I, th- I think it is. Okay. I, I can't I can't remember if it actually says it, but yeah, I don't yeah. remember. That's the impression I got. Yeah, um, and it just like never seems to really mention their actual parents, and I just kind of liked that. Yeah, they were just existing in their space with Stella. Yeah. So one of the other examples too, um, or one of the other themes of the book, I thought was having a controlled mindset versus a come what may mindset, mm-hmm. and I think my favorite character in the whole book was Delia. Mm-hmm. Um, I just liked her very positive, like go with the flow attitude. Everything happens for a reason, but she's also a problem solver. And like, anytime anything goes wrong, she says, okay, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. Like, make it on the fly. 
I really liked her a lot. And I felt like her influence on Macy helped Macy understand that trying to plan your life out before it happens isn't really living. Like you can make as many lists as you want about what you're going to do today and tomorrow and next week and next year and, you know, five years from now. But like, if you do that, you're not really living. Like you've already got it planned out for you. Yeah. And stuff never really goes to plan anyway. Right. Like, I think that's yeah, a big part of it too. It's funny that I thought Jason at the end was like, well, let's write down on a list of what we want for our relationship and we'll compare. And Macy's like, well, what happens if something on the list happens or not on the list happens? And he's like, but it won't because we have a list. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, man. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And, and then, so like in the beginning we saw that Macy is in a very controlled mindset where her influence by Jason, not Brian and her mom is so constant that she feels like um, she has to be in control of situations all the time. And, and yeah, like having lists and stuff like that. And she feels like there's no other way to live your life until she meets Delia and all the wish people. So it just, I thought it was interesting to see her mindset of going from like, everything is perfect and controlled and established ahead of time to just kind of like living in the moment and having a like come what may attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, a lot better. And Dealey is one of my favorite characters, too. Yeah. She, like she has, like, a huge capacity for love for everybody. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, like, definitely, that's something I want to emulate, I guess, in my life. Like, just trying to be as yeah. welcoming and adaptable as she was. And I, I love her saying, please, God, I beg of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember reading it, like, I don't know. I don't remember how old we were when we read it at first. I remember thinking, like, man, catering sounds like a fun job. <laughs> like, I had the same off. thought. <laughs> What'd you say? I had the same thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So, throughout the book, we get um, Macy going back and forth between Wes and Jason. And, man, Jason got on my nerves so bad because he just, like, it almost seemed like he was a robot. Like, had no emotion, no compassion. And then mm-hmm. he would punish Macy for getting too attached to him, according to what he said. Like, yeah. I don't know. I just felt like that was very manipulative. And, like, he wants it to be a certain way, and he didn't care how she felt about it. And yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just, like, he gave me the ick. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, she's not in line with his goals. Okay, so, like, what? Your goals aren't to have a loving relationship that lasts? Yeah. I don't know. What about my goals? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Screw you, Jason. Yeah. And I, I mean, I guess I liked that Wes was the complete opposite of Jason, like very quiet and under, but also understanding and like artsy, not as like math nerdy, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. But he also was just like not concerned with planning too far into the future. And he was also, I guess, probably from Delia's influence, just more yeah. of a live in the moment type of guy. And I'm yeah. so glad that Mrs. Queen gave Wes a chance in the end where he was, like, going on vacation with him to the beach house and stuff. Yeah, I agree. I think that this was probably, like, one of my first, like, maybe one of my very, very first, like, romance novels that I ever read. Mm-hmm. Um, where, like, the the characters, like, fell in love. And I I agree with you. Like, I, it was hard for many characters to stand up to Wes after this book in my mind. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, okay, how old were you picturing Wes to be? So I'm 
relatively certain that he's got to be probably 20-ish. I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking 21 because I don't know about in North Carolina or wherever this is supposed to be set, but typically to be a bartender, you have to be of drinking age. Yeah, you're right. And so I was thinking 21, but it definitely says that Macy is 16. I'm like, that's a little bit of an age gap for that time in your life to be quite yeah and there's I mean, actually illegal <laughs> yeah, it is not it's very much so illegal um but uh i think that that's also heavily influenced by sarah Dessen's life because she said that she when she was 15 she was in a relationship with a 21 year old hmm. and after i read that i was like oh, okay so i see now that like maybe this was a little bit intentional but maybe rewriting her relationship because she doesn't really outright say whatever happened, but it didn't end well. And she sort of blamed herself. And it took her a little bit of time and like teen angst to realize that she wasn't the adult in the situation. And it like in the end, mm-hmm. um, wasn't truly her fault. So, yeah. It also mentioned at one point that Wes got several offers to go to like college towards mm-hmm. the end. So then I was like, well, maybe he's like 18 and just like maybe took a year off from going to school and it's not that big of an age gap i don't know but yeah the whole time i was like "Eh, this is kind of a red flag for how old i'm assuming he is just because he's the bartender yeah well i think he's gotta be at least 20 in my mind because i think he was probably around 18 when his mom died because they wouldn't have let two underage boys live together alone even with their aunt next door yeah So, so i think he was probably 18 when she died and then this happens a couple years later so yeah okay well maybe mrs queen has a good reason to be skeptical then because <laughs> 10 year old dating a 21 20 21 year old kid hmm, not the greatest Oops. look <laughs> nope yeah. still love the story but yeah yeah, yeah not great <laughs> yeah i think maybe if uh, we had put macy closer to like 18 maybe we would have had a different different outcome or a different yeah. uh, thought about it but yeah, it definitely wasn't a... I, I don't know. I guess I didn't remember that when I was reading it the first time. But then this time I was like, ooh, wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. a great look, but... Yeah. But he's a lovable guy. Yeah. And he's <laughs> definitely not doing it because she's, like, young and he's trying to manipulate her, so... No. I'm glad... Or, yeah. T- but, yeah, just when I was reading it, I was like, wait a minute. He's got to be like 21 to bartend i would think i mean maybe not in every state i don't know that for sure but i was like "Hmm, this is a little a little iffy yeah (laughs) Yeah. and then one of the other themes we see is friendship and i thought it was interesting that when we first see or when we first are introduced to macy her whole world revolves around jason Mm -hmm. and she doesn't have like it doesn't mention any other friends that she has it seems like she doesn't really have many other friends because, like, everybody knew her as the girl whose dad died, and so she didn't really make many friends. Um, and well, yeah, she well, she like kind of isolated herself, but she does yeah. say that Jason gets impatient with others pretty quickly, and so she just didn't really invite a whole lot of new people that she was close with into the group. Yeah, that's that's a red flag for sure. Like, you yeah. don't rely so much on just one person for everything like she was with Jason. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that she ended up getting in with the Wish group who yeah. seemed like they welcomed her 
from the very start with open arms. Mm-hmm. And, and I think everybody needs a friend like Chris because she like was always pumping Macy up like, come on, let's go to this you know party or let's go do this or do that. Mm-hmm. And she would invite her over and over to do things, even though she knew that Macy was going to decline, but she never took it personally. And I liked that because I think a lot of times you can, inv- and I've done it before and I've had it done to me before where like, you know, if I invite somebody to go do something several times and they decline every time, eventually I'm going to stop asking them to go do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've, I'm sure it's happened to me before too, where somebody asks me over and over to do something and I say no for whatever reason. Yeah. It's just like the invitation stops coming, but for Christy to just continually offer to include her in whatever activities and then not take it personally when Macy would decline, like that's a good friend. Yeah, Christy's great. I I think another one of the strong suits of this is like all these other friendships that we see and all the side characters that we see. I love all of them. Yeah. I like I, all the catering group. Yeah. I like to see Bert and Christy and Monica together because they're all like, I guess on the younger side and just yeah, trying to be kids having fun. But Bert's like an old man when he drives around and In the I, I love ambulance. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, I love how much they tease him for the cot in the back. Like he's going to get some action in this ambulance that he's driving around. With a a gurney in the back. (laughs) Yeah. Like I think all of their friendships are unique and very beautiful uh, to read about. Um, That's like, I think that's probably one of the reasons why I keep returning to this book is like, it's, it seems very heavy on the friendships, even though it's got this main, Mm -hmm. like developing love story. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad it wasn't only a love story. I liked the other friendship connections, too. Yeah, and it's part of, it's, like, a huge tribute because um, it's all, like, Macy and Wes both being in relationships and being respectful of that fact, and then, like, Macy just not getting out of her shell and realizing how bad Jason was until um, she did, and, like, it was all, yeah, very, like, healthy, uh, healthy growth in this book. (laughs) Yeah. So one thing I'll mention about Christy, uh, there was a couple chapters that I listened to the audiobook for, like while I was driving, because I was trying to get this read before we go on vacation. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> there was the one part of the book where Christy was talking about how she wants to change her name when she moves somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And the audiobook was like, uh, yeah, I, I might be a Veronique. And <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, I just always read it as like, veronique or like veronica basically yeah yeah the pronunciation was a very french veronique i love that (laughs) she should move to france i could see christy in france krista isn't it krista wait is it christy Christy. oh my god yeah goodness yeah yeah i I think i listened to like three or four chapters of the audiobook while i was driving to and from places and that was part of it and i I laughed at that veronique (laughs) veronique i like i'm telling you audiobooks are just a medium that we just haven't discovered until now that's been great all along i did not enjoy the audiobook of this like whoever was doing the reading was not doing a very good job so yikes yeah i don't know hopefully it wasn't sarah dessen reading it (laughs) i don't know (laughs) okay well yeah i hope not (laughs) yeah favorite character you said delia overall yeah i think delia was my favorite 
She's a good one. I think my favorite character is probably Bert. I like how goofy he is. Yeah, his end of the world Armageddon club that he's in. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. He's so dedicated to it. He's like, this is science. It's proof. It's happening. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) it is, but not also. (laughs) I, I liked that he was able to be himself, though, around all of his friends, even though all of the friends obviously was like, Bert, come on, really? But they yeah. let him like live his own life and go to this, um, whatever it was, like the social event for that club, and they were yeah. helping get ready and all that. Like it's being supportive, even though they know it's kind of weird. Yeah, so, yeah, it's nice that he could be his self, be himself. <laughs> yeah, they'll all watch the TV show with him. They'll tuck twenty bucks into his pocket for the dinner. Yeah, <laughs> overall, yeah, like he's just so goofy. I love him, mm-hmm. and I've been, I don't. I've been trying to think of who I would cast in this movie since you brought up the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Not and, the Brothers. Yeah. And I, I like don't have a good vision for any of these characters. So I, I watched another one because I started going down a rabbit hole of the people who made that their project. And somebody um, cast Kelly Preston as Delia. And I thought that could be a good one. Who's, who's Kelly Preston? What else is she in? Let's see. She was in <laughs> the Cat in the Hat. Uh, <laughs> what? See. Oh, you probably know her from like Sky High and What a Girl I, Wants. I know her from What a Girl Wants. Yeah, she was the mom in What a Girl Wants. I don't really know her, huh? She was in the last song. Apparently, I don't remember her in that one. I don't know. She's a very like well-known Hollywood actress. Yeah, I'm just um uncultured. <laughs> anyway. Oh. I- like she would be a good one yeah well i <laughs> sorry i think she's andy i think she was married to john travolta and she's passed away she passed away she, she died oh, three years ago she, oh i didn't know that <laughs> well so, unfortunately i did not think she will be well unless ai comes around and uh takes her image but wow i had no idea that she died yeah, she. I, I'm pretty sure she was married to John Travolta because I've seen yeah, a lot she, of their pictures and stuff together. So that makes that makes sense. <laughs> she was. She had breast cancer. So, well, I didn't know that. I guess no, she you do not be cast as Delia. <laughs> yeah. Well, not her. We'll find somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, no, I can't really think of any because a lot of the ones that I was thinking of when I was watching that too, I was thinking of like popular hollywood actors but most of them would be too old to play to play a 16 year old girl or or even wes or bert or whoever so like it would probably have to be like new actors and actresses that i wouldn't know already yeah same to make it true to the book because i hate it when casting directors will cast like a 32 year old to play an 18 year old (laughs) yeah it's so annoying (laughs) But anyway, okay. Well, we'll see what we'll see. Maybe Netflix will produce a movie, and we'll watch it for you guys. I will definitely watch it. Um, so should we rate it? Yeah. What do you give this out of five forevers? No, that's too easy. Out of five, five hand and heart sculptures. Sure, I like that one. Okay, I was. I want to see like if they do make it into a movie. I hope that they represent Wes's artwork well because I was imagining very quirky but also very beautiful pieces so i hope that if they make it into a movie they they do him justice well yeah they should get an actual artist to (laughs) to actually make art (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
Out of five hand and heart sculptures. I'm going to say, actually, real quick, we didn't really talk much about her writing style, but I definitely realized reading it this time around that the it's definitely geared towards a younger, obviously, young adult uh, population. And I'm pretty sure when I was looking it up, it said that this one was worth 12 AR reading points. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a big one. Yeah. Uh, but we were reading AR books in like third and fourth grade and I think it was a little bit like above third and fourth grade level but definitely felt like sixth grade level reading yeah so I don't know there was a few times that I was reading it that I was like a little bit not annoyed but just kind of over the like sentence structure and like it just felt very simple to Mm -hmm. me and I know that's her style and that's her like group that she kind of gears her writing towards but other than the writing style, love the story, all that. So I'm going to give it a 4.1, only wow. because I wish the writing style was a little bit more advanced. That's a fair criticism. I think I, I will give it like a, yeah, like a 4.9. I <laughs> don't think I get bogged down as much by the writing style in this one. I consider this, yeah, just to be like sort of a very easy, flowy, guilty not even guilty pleasure. I don't. I'm not guilty about this. I enjoy this book. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I yeah, very high praise. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that did annoy me though about the actual story itself, which is also true of teenagers, is that they assume so much. Where like, if they would just communicate, and yeah. Wes, Wes would tell Macy how she feels, and she would tell him how she how whatever they would tell each other how they feel a whole lot of this like running around i don't think that's really what he thinks and that's not what she wants and all that baloney would be like not even relevant if they would just communicate (laughs) you're funny yeah they were waiting until Wes was unattached he wasn't gonna make any moves until he had broken up with his girlfriend yeah but like he sees him at the waffle house with his girlfriend, she just assumes, like, oh, they're back together. My life is over. Yes. Horrible. Like, come on. Don't just assume. <laughs> no. And if she had stopped it, well, she did, I guess, stop and talk to him. And then she mentioned Jason and he read that as getting back together. Yeah. Yeah. She had so, an email. So. So much assumption. Anyway. All right. Well, that was still a good read. I'm glad we read it again. Mainly because I yeah. didn't remember anything other than the main character's name. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it was like reading it for the first time. <laughs> yeah. It's our next book. Yeah, I was going to say, I would read another one of hers. So for the next book, I was leaning towards picking one that was almost like another mystery style, because we haven't done one of those in a while. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't really find one that jumped out at me. So I'm going to go with my supermarket sweep choice that I made at the bookstore the other day, which is called The Ensemble by... I want to say it's pronounced Asia. Gable? Mm -hmm. Might be Asia. I don't know. It's probably Asia. Yeah, probably Asia. And if it is, I like that spelling. A-J-A-G-A-B-E-L. So, I don't know much about it other than it's about a four-string quartet, I think. Um, So, yeah. I don't know anything about it other than that. The cover is very pretty. Well, I'm excited to read it. <laughs> we'll see. I think it was published in 2018. And from what I could tell on Google, it had pretty good reviews. So hopefully it'll be good. 
Oh, we'll find out. Yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah, I'm going to take it to the beach and give it a try. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Marianne and Wanda. We would love to hear your feedback and if you have any books or topics for us to review. You can reach us at Marianne and Wanda Podcast on Instagram or send us an email at Marianne and Wanda Podcast at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.